we live in a highly connected, highly complex and fast-paced world. To slow it all down and work through the complexities, we engage in the simple art of conversation with business leaders, technologists and policymakers in a new podcast series, K-Talks. My name is Rastko Petaković and I will be one of the hosts of this program. Welcome. As we're entering the fifth week of lockdown, health is still the number one priority worldwide. Health workers everywhere deserve our gratitude and our praise, as do all other workers in essential services. World economy is also standing still. Most people are in their homes, some on forced leave, some working from home, and many unemployed. It is very difficult to cope with this level of uncertainty. To help us get a better grip on the economic aspects of this crisis, today I'm speaking with James Thornley and Boris Milosevic. Boris and James are the founding partners of KP Advisory, a financial and business advisory firm. Before KP Advisory, they spent many years as senior partners at KPMG. So they both have a wealth of experience in business and in finance. Boris, uh, James, welcome to the program. Thanks, Gasco. It's good to be here. Thank you very much. In preparation for this, I was going through some of the press releases and some of the news going into the the whole COVID-19 situation. And, and I went as far back as February. And I saw an interesting piece by Moody's uh, from the beginning of February, where they actually made a prediction that this crisis is going to hit China uh, a little bit and maybe uh, bring it to uh, a zero growth. I read there that um, Western Europe will probably not have as high growth rates as suggested at the beginning of the year. And essentially it says that the countries like Spain, the US, Italy will not be affected by by this crisis. And and then I was also looking at... um, the similar reports from from March and then mid-March and then beginning of April. And you saw how uh, less optimistic at first and then uh, more and more pessimistic the news had become. So let me start, start by asking, how do you feel the global markets have reacted to the crisis? And how do you feel the economists have been able so far to predict everything that was going to uh, unravel. Okay, Rasko, I'll, I'll comment first on that. So I think that uh, that lead-in is an excellent summary of, um, of where we are from my perspective. Um, nobody knows here what's going on. I think as time goes by, we all realize it's, um, it's uncharted waters, it's unprecedented, it's an, an overused term, but it, it really is. We, we simply don't know, um, and if we uh, if we think what things might look like even in a month at the end of or beginning of May, let's say or middle of May, it's very hard to make assumptions uh, or predictions. The um, as we've seen the the stock markets, which might be the most immediate indicator of how things are are, are playing out, 
initially at the end of March suffered uh, quite significant um, shocks, went down by 35 or, or more percent in certain cases. But in the last couple of weeks have um, somehow eased themselves back up again, such that the overall fall is is nowhere near at that level. It's maybe down by, by 25% overall. I think um, what's going on now is, is, is really this dilemma between um, as, the, as governments and states understand what's going on. They're trying to manage, we hear this phrase all of the time, the managing the curve. They're trying to manage the health impacts of this to fit into the capacities and capabilities that they have um, with, the, with the knowledge, clear knowledge as they go into this, that um, any restrictions that they need to put in place on that have direct consequences to the wealth. It's a health versus wealth uh, equation going on. Um, we don't we we simply can't predict now what 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 will what will what will what will play out. Will it will things ease off? Will we find as the weather improves and um, as this curve is, uh, is is reduced, will will things ease off? And will we find that in a month's time it, this is all a bad dream? Personally, I don't think so. Or will we find that there's other surprises for us in store? Will we find that uh, people who've had the virus can somehow have it, again, have it again, which seems to be a slight concern now coming out of South Korea? And will we find that the damage that's been done to major economies in the past few weeks is so deep and the scarring is so deep that the, even if the medical side is resolved somehow, the, uh, the economic consequences will live on for, for many, many quarters, many, many years. Um, it seems to me, I'm not a medical expert, but it seems to me that the only way that we're really going to get uh, confidence back into mainstream traditional personal interaction, which, which is required for, for many businesses, is that we come up with some form of vaccine or we find some new way of working respecting social distancing, which is, which is safer, but, but that won't work for many industries which require mass social interaction or mass congregations of, of, of people. Oh, thank you. Thank you, uh, James. What, Boris, what do you think? Well, this was a classic black swan in the event. Uh, in the well, economic theory, well, but it's not only economic, I think it's wider humanistic theory, black swans are typically unpredictable events which completely change uh, the course of the uh, of the actions and the uh, and the route in which it, or, or the direction in which um, the economy is uh, going. Clearly, this was a black swan, and I'm not surprised that Moody um, was wrong. Let's say, but to be fair, who was right at that time? You know, we nobody was getting a proper information from China to to fully understand what is this all about. Um, the, the virus was completely new, so there was no knowledge uh, of uh, either its repercussions on the general population, how much it's contagious and all that. And without, and this actually shows something else, without the proper intel, intel proper information, uh, political societies around Europe and North America have actually panicked, completely panicked. They, didn't, they were not prepared for this, and they didn't know what to expect. And that panic caused the panic in the stock market. Stock markets typically overshoot. When it's good times, 
it's not good, it's great. When it's bad times, it's not bad times, it's an absolute disaster. So uh, basically this loss that we are seeing uh, initially 35% now going back to 25%, uh, basically is just going back from that overshoot. If you ask me where this is going to go, I think I can, with strong indication, say that I expect in May most of Europe to start opening, especially as well as the United States. This is such a shock to the economy that I don't think that anybody can withstand it for longer than several months. There are very few companies which have reserves and there is, and it's completely difficult to organize a society in which 70 or 80 or even 90% of the population are being immobilized, sitting home, whether they're uh, old elderly or whether they're young children, but um, you know, even in the, in the people who are working, you possibly have around 15 to 20% which are working. The rest are simply either working from home or are without a job at this moment. Yes, I, I, I fully agree. And on top of that, I think it's fair to say um, we are in economic lockdown and we are, uh, the, the economy is standing still uh, not directly because of the virus, but indirectly because of the virus. It is standing still because... Uh, thanks to steps towards social distancing and self-isolating, we would be able to stop or, or, or mitigate the spread of, uh, of the disease. So ultimately, it is down to the countries who have decided to put uh, the, the economies uh, to a halt. And it will be up to the states to, uh, to open the economy once, uh, once they feel the health, health systems can, can support uh, the newly infected and, and treat them with, uh, with due care. But the lockdown is not affecting everyone in the same way. Uh, first, uh, we had huge cancellations within the tourism industry, but everything else was still working uh, to some degree. Then the planes uh, uh, were landed. Then the restaurants started closing. First the bigger ones, then the smaller ones, then the, the cafes. Um, and, and ultimately, one by one, businesses have been, uh, have been closed, but they've been, they've been feeling this, the pain of this crisis in a different way and at a different timing. So how do you feel the industry specific sectors within the industry have been affected by the crisis are there any clear winners are there any uh, clear losers and and who are they basically as you rightly pointed out uh, tourism and uh, leisure and travel industry are definitely the ones uh, that are having an impact direct impact on them it's uh, really reasonable to assume that they will continue to have such an impact until the end of 2020 uh, even if this uh, corona situation does get to the better and uh, during the summer uh, there is a tendency of the reduction in number of uh, infected and number of uh, death, uh, deaths around the world, still you could assume that many countries are going to keep their borders, that they are going to make it quite difficult for traveling from other countries which they can qualify as a risky uh, risky from the for the second wave of the infection 
So I believe that throughout 2020, there is going to be a problem with respect to tourism. There is going to be a problem with respect to hospitality. There is going to be a problem with any kind of uh, events, whether they are music events, sport events, or anything like that, where you have a mass gathering. Restaurant, they are currently still closed as part of the social distancing, but we uh, with the uh, expected uh, reduction in number of infected cases, you could assume that they will be soon open. So my expectation is, again, tourism will be impacted of the travelings, but not uh, not restaurant industry. Who are the queer winners? Queer winners are anybody who uh, currently can go digital, who can go online, and who can be automated. This uh, crisis has shown that, unfortunately, uh, the weakest link currently in the society is a human itself. Human is the one who fell under the, under the impact of this virus. Future is going to be about automation. Future is going to be about digitalization. With respect to automation, it's not only automation uh, of uh, the production, but it's also going to be automation of any kind of final logistic deliveries to home. So anybody who can solve the problem of the last mile He's going to to get a big, big. Uh, uh, he's going to make a big success. In order to make that happen, automation and digitalization, you will see a major impact coming in the next several years in the telecommunication equipment, telecommunication lines, and infrastructure in order to facilitate that. Uh, there will be, of course, other sectors which will be impacted. I personally, for example, from real estate perspective. Uh, I believe that office office spacing will be impacted downwards. Uh, this crisis has shown that many people can work from home, and especially with the further push in automation, digitalization, you would expect that businesses will want to cut down their costs, and office spacing is one of them. Uh, I would expect logistics to massively increase, because again, with this unprecedented crisis, it has shown that uh, supply just in time does not actually work in all the occasions, that you must have a certain minimum level of inventories in order to be able to produce and consume normally in such a circumstances. Uh, residential, I see, I see both uh, uh, negative and positives, uh, pressures on, the, on what will be happening there. Um, negative, in terms of negative, uh, I think that, uh, again, uh, indirectly this impact uh, of the tourist industry, renting of the apartments on a daily basis, uh, that is going to go down. With that going down, that was, at least in our region, a big uh, big effect on the um, uh, increase in the prices going, uh, happening in the last few years. Uh, but on the other side, you have a population that will want to have as much of comfort in their personal homes because they'll never know whether they'll be asked to be socially isolated once again. And it showed that whoever has a garden or a bigger house with a bigger family, you know, then you can survive. You can have some social distancing even between uh, between the families, so which is... Uh, which is sometimes very good thing, um, especially if you have to be locked down with the, uh, for a month. So that would that would be from my side my my view about things. James. Yeah, I think you've you've summarised the points um, points very well there. I don't really have extra to add. Uh, and if if we go a little bit deeper, um, it seems that asset managers worldwide are 
seeing uh, huge volatility in the markets. It seems that these levels of volatility are, are unprecedented. Uh, we are overusing the term, as you rightly pointed out, but uh, things uh, have never looked this way, it seems. Banks are either unwilling to give loans to uh, businesses, or if they are giving loans, they are giving them at a very high at very high interest rates. So, how do you think this uh, liquidity problem is playing out in a crisis such as this one? I think when we look back on this in the future, this is going to provide so much material for university students to think about how things interact and work. We have interplay of both huge supply shocks and we also have a complete disappearance of demand in certain markets. And then you have the reaction of the economic participants in those markets. So I think naturally people, owners, managers of businesses in such a, such an environment would immediately default to the, you know, of course, they want to conserve the, the thing that they have and that's, the, that's, their, that's their cash position. And we have states in many of the countries seeking to support them in that by providing very, very explicit uh, cash subsidies or payments to uh, to um, to market participants, to either either to the companies or to the employees. There's a separate question as to where that should be and and how that will play out as we as we get further into this story. <clears throat> but I think if you go right to the bottom of that and distill it down, there is going to be you know common themes. There's going to be I believe a shortage of cash or, or the old the old adage cash will be king cash is king and anybody that's sitting on um, liquidity is obviously in a stronger position than somebody who isn't but when are they ever not really but i mean in in this scenario i think it's absolutely the case i think those that aren't really have an issue and i think if they go out and i think you know we've seen anecdotally stories of this if they go out into the market and seek support um, the price that uh, lenders, providers of finance are asking is now significant and significantly more than it was two or three months ago. It will This will change a lot of people's plans, a lot of people's assumptions, will feed through into a lot of valuation models and will change many things. I think uh, subprime debt, junk bonds, this type of things, the interest rates have shot up um, significantly. Uh, regular overdraft finance from banks is also increasing clearly. We see those stories. And the, the, the collaterals and security packages that they're asking for, for support, even when part of the loans are subject to um, state guarantee, are, are, are significant and they are onerous. So I think this is going to provide a, a huge shock to uh, large sectors of the economy. And it may go into places that we weren't naturally expecting. We, we, we can all easily, I think, as we did a few minutes ago, identify the, the primary points, but um, that quickly feeds back into into suppliers of those businesses, providers of finance to those businesses. So I think in general terms, cash is king and we should we should uh, expect that expect that to you know to continue to be the case and people who don't have it are going to be providing as are having to pay significant amounts to get that cash now. Yeah, um, if I can add just that, just from a practical experiences, I mean, most of the small and medium-sized banks in our region 
currently are completely illiquid. They do not have cash to 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 uh, lend as a new borrowings. Um, even even to the extent uh, to honor the currently signed contracts for the older trucks. Many of them are in that problem. They do have capital, but liquidity is actually, actually something else because most of the liquidity comes from the deposits and the deposits of the large organizations have been taken in order to either go on the spending or being moved into, into other institutions. Um, talking about that, the, you, we all know about the programs that the, the governments are uh, putting forward for the economic measures. One of them and one of the important parts is putting the liquidity into the business, into the economy. Um, I think that uh, bizarrely, uh, you know, Serbia, for example, with its own currency is a bit in a good position because to some extent it, uh, it can provide that liquidity by uh, uh, relaxing the obligatory reserve, which the banks hold in the central bank. However, going to the measures, any country is saying that they are going to put new liquidity on the market through the governmental schemes about putting forward, the, 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 the giving the guarantees for the new loans. Let's, let's be open about it. Don't expect that all that money is going to be new loans. Most of that money is actually going to be refinancing or reprogramming of the current, uh, of the current exposures that the banks have. And the banks will go, go there quite reasonably and logically. They will want to refinance all the problematic loans in order to uh, to get the guarantees from the, from the government uh, in the amounts of 20 to 30, 40 percent. That all makes sense. Now, what Jim said, and it's absolutely true, I mean, cash is the king currently. And you would expect that the companies or let's say the institutions who would be uh, one of the beneficiaries of this crisis is going to be private equities who are sitting on a large amount of cash currently and who can deploy it within the region. Uh, how do you feel these differences between different industries having access to cash and sources of liquidity will be playing out in our region? So uh, do you think, do you expect there will be any significant differences between, for example, Serbia, Croatia, Slovenia, Bosnia? Especially having in mind, for example, the, the the seasonality of the Croatian economy or the Montenegrin economy because of tourism, which is, as you rightly uh, pointed out, uh, uh, probably the, the the first one to be hit by this. Well, the, the, if I may just say there, it's not only about the, the, the dependence on the tourism that Croatia and uh, Montenegro and to some extent even Albania have. I think it's also going to be about its own currency. If something, if the previous crisis taught us something, the crisis from uh, financial crisis back in 2009, and I know that this crisis is, is very different compared to that, uh, it taught us that, uh, that the countries which have their own currency uh, have actually both arms in this boxing match. So not only left arm, but you have a right arm. Left arm is your fiscal policy, right arm is your monetary policy. Basically, the countries such as Serbia, such as Northern Montenegro, uh, Northern Macedonia, uh, will have that uh, right hand in the battle. I'm not quite sure about Slovenia and Croatia, but Slovenian economy I, and Croatian economy, Croatian economy is the one which is probably going to be ma mainly hurt. But let's not be, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, this whole world is so interconnected. 
that if the German economy or Austrian economy don't recover fast and well, all, all, the, all our countries will have a problem. I mean, how much of the Slovenian export depends on uh, the clients in Italy, Germany and Austria? Um, this dire situation in Italy is definitely causing the big problems in Slovenia. You can produce, but you don't have anywhere where to sell. So that would be that would be my view. So it will very much depend then on the local countries, their currencies and their monetary and policy and how it all works and fits together. But uh, assuming, sorry to interject, but assuming you have uh, both the right hand and the left hand uh, in order to kind of manipulate the levers of economic policy, uh, and, and you decide to use the monetary policy as one of them, would that maybe lead to inflation? Are there any risks of, uh, of having those sort of problems uh, in, in the longer run? I think there are, and I think that's something that a lot of commentators are talking about. Um, we've already used the phrase uh, repeatedly this afternoon on, on, on the call, um, on the talk about, um, you know, cash is king, but... There's a certain comment coming out of the US I've seen recently where, you know, people have said cash is trash. And I think that unfortunately could be the case, not not straight away, because straight away we have we have real issues to deal with. And we, as we talked about, there's all sorts of things in the equation. We, we could have significant levels of unemployment. We could have significant levels of underemployed assets. But we're also responding to that as a policy measure by pouring billions of, of, of euros and dollars and pounds and dinars and, and, and whatever in, in, into this situation. And at some point, I think, I, I, I'm not the expert here, but my, my instinct is that there's so much money that's going to be produced and so much money that's going to be fired at this situation. Because it's not purely an economic problem. It's not an economic problem. The, the economy was trundling along very well three months ago. And then all of a sudden this health issue emerges and we respond to it by by throwing billions at it um it could well be that um in a year's time or so we'll start to see inflationary pressure uh in a way that we that we haven't seen for for 30 years uh we could end up in the worst nightmare scenario of the old stagflation with with uh, with difficulties in the gdp but at the same time inflationary pressures um i think that's a genuine fear that we that we have in this scenario um, I know I follow very closely the, the UK scenario. The, the amount of money that's being created now by the, the UK Central Bank, by the Bank of England, is, is unprecedented. It, 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 it's significantly more than was, than was created to respond to the, uh, to the financial crisis. Uh, maybe just to follow up on, on what James is saying um, and to add a bit of flavor, uh, especially as the listeners are not mainly the economists, but some of them are uh, lawyers. Um, the inflation is not necessarily that you go to the store and the bread costs more. Uh, the, like what many, what at least in Serbia and Montenegro we witnessed back in 19, beginning of 1990s. Inflation can, uh, I don't expect that there'll be inflation in the basic food products. Uh, there, the humanities has organized. Uh, where I do expect that there will be an inflation going forward is with the asset prices. So the, all this extra money, unless it's uh, uh, later on, unless it's uh, uh, immobilized uh, through the same central banks which are pushing it in, 
you would expect that it follows in the in respect of asset prices that the prices of real estate will go up that the prices of uh, mergers and acquisitions that transaction values will go up uh, basically that's a, and when you look at it that's actually where it ended from the previous crisis because some of the multipliers that we have seen in this region and throughout the world you would wonder when would that pay off uh, uh, as a part of the equation also, the commodity, certain commodity prices like uh, gold, silver, rare metals, that that part will will go up. But the general consumption level that will all stay hungry, I don't think that's that's something which will happen either in this region or around the world. Uh, I don't think the risk of that is is such likely. I agree. I think in the long term that that's where we could end up. But the short term, we're not seeing that. We're seeing the opposite. I think we're seeing commodity prices falling, we're seeing energy prices falling um, because of this, you know, the, the, the shock of, of this, the, the, the impact that's having on all sorts of supply and demand equations and the capacity equations and how things are being utilized in the economy. Um, but I think we could find even, you know, even in the short to medium term anyway, that as, as things start to hopefully pull back together again, we're going to have shortages of um, some commodities. I was reading today that there's potentially an issue surrounding uh, natural gas, liquid natural gas, where at the moment there's a glut, the price is down. And this has impacts for actually quite a number of players in our in our region when we talk about energy. Um, but the, the, the flow of, of, of gas coming through later on in the year is impacted by safety considerations. And it may well be that there's less around at the end of at the end of 2020 than there is now, which which will feed through into into higher prices. Um, if the if there are issues in getting um, commodities out of out of China, not just commodities, production out of China, um, you could find also issues there as well. So maybe that that's maybe it's not a monetary phenomena; it's just a shortage phenomena. Um, this is so pervasive and so significant that there can be issues uh, that, that we don't even see at this stage. We mentioned private equities, uh, and they have been just increasing their activity and deal making in in our region uh, over the last uh, over the last decade, taking good opportunities, and I think contributing quite well to the uh, to the economic growth uh, across the region. Do you think them engaging in more more deal making as we go through this crisis for some of them and for the others? having to exit their current investments will be somehow affected by the by the current liquidity problems in the in the Serbian banks or the regional banks for example uh, will it be affected somehow by the state subsidies and overall how do you think these subsidies will play out both to private equities and to strategics taking uh, a view that not all of them are subsidies some of them are just kind of liquidity uh, assistance well, the, the, thanks, Rasko. That's actually, I think there there is a bit of clarity what will happen. Uh, uh, private equities will, will stay in this region. Private equities are expected to be uh, even more uh, aggressive and interested, but not only in this region, they'll be interested throughout Europe. There will be many distress M&A cases currently on the market, uh, especially if this proceeds into May and June. If this proceeds into September, October, then I'm afraid to, to make any judgment whatsoever as to who, who, what's going to happen. 
private equity is typically where their strength is is that that uh, is that financial arm that fact that they do have a good, excellent access to the um, to the liquidity uh, with, and to the banks to, to to able to tap into that financing part. Um, just to give you an example, I mean, what everybody is saying is uh, that that in U.S. and in Germany and in the other countries, it's that they've been so fast in giving the government support. Actually, politicians have been fast in in announcing it, but uh, I'm sure that even James later on can can confirm that that in UK to get that governmental support, it's going to take you several weeks. Uh, even several months, and it's a question how many businesses will can survive several weeks or several months without that, uh, that that cash, and especially now in these circumstances. The same is in the United States. In the United States, it's actually quite difficult to, to tap into this, into all their uh, small business administration schemes unless you already were taking the loan in the past. So it's a bizarre situation if you were taking the loan, you can now get this one much faster rather than if you conservatively had your led your business, in which case now they tell you, well, you know, you should go for the standard ones. But to go back to private equities, yeah, private equities, I expect that they will be one of the winners of this current situation. Uh, the governmental measures will not that much impact them. Uh, they are always uh, lean in respect of the, the uh, in respect of the way how they are running the business. And the main question here will be whether and to 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 to, to which extent the private equities will continue to have such an access to financing. Many of them have requested already from their stakeholders to to provide them with additional cash because they do see the opportunities. But on the other side, of course, they need that cash in order to. Um, to 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 uh, put the, the the current businesses to stabilize them um, going forward. So I do expect private equities to continue playing a major role in these uh, environments. I do not expect strategics actually. I expect strategics to play less and less of a role because what we've seen with this crisis and what I think politically and hence economically will be the impact is that in several years we'll be looking at less of a globalization, more of a localization, we'll be seeing uh, more of the barriers, less of the trade. So that basically directly impacts on the, uh, on the uh, strategic investors in any kind of small markets like what we have in our region. This terrain is, uh, is perfect terrain for um, the private equity model. Um, of course, there'll be specific issues um, in certain cases and then it may well be that um, that there may be you know uh, portfolio investments that have been made in the in the recent past in the last year or 18 months where the valuation now looks a bit a bit toppy and there may be specific industries where you know they probably wish they hadn't gone into that but they'll have to to work that work that out for themselves I think that's that, that that's specific but from a general perspective, I believe the sort of pressures that are going to be brought to bear now will provide um, in, in in these key areas that we we've already talked about in terms of tourism, hospitality, energy. Um, the pressures that are going to be brought to bear on some of the um, good companies, good good businesses which are which have been operating in that very happily, all of a sudden find themselves hit by this tsunami. 
um, and, and, and we'll need uh, we'll need some form of um, exit mechanism to, to, to get out of this. And um, I think the flight of foot and um, you know the, the risk taking side of the private equity model will uh, will will come to the fore. And if we analyze the the state aid measures that have been announced uh, across our region and and also globally. I think what's fair to say is that a number of countries have applied quite different strategies when it comes to directing uh, those funds. Some of them have opted for the so-called helicopter money. Uh, in Serbia, uh, for some reason, helicopter money meant 100 euro to uh, every citizen, which doesn't uh, doesn't feel quite a lot. Uh, and and then. Uh, most of the companies in Serbia, but also elsewhere, are being confronted to choose uh, whether they will take uh, subsidies and uh, apply certain restrictions that those uh, subsidies come tied with, or whether they will just uh, uh, go through the crisis by uh, doing some uh, massive redundancies and, and laying off a lot of people. And despite, for example, um, it, it's still unclear how this will play out in Serbia, and that's where I want to take your view. But if we look at the, the today's news from the U.S., it seems that the similar choice is being taken elsewhere as well. So Disney, for example, just uh, today announced that it will be laying off 40,000 of, uh, of its employees across the amusement parks uh, worldwide. Do you think, uh, first of all, do you think it's fair that the companies are being faced with this sort of uh, a choice? Wouldn't it be maybe uh, more natural or better to, uh, uh, to to tie a little bit softer restrictions uh, going forward? And overall, do you think this sort of choices that the companies are being faced with is going to lead uh, to them taking the subsidies or make it maybe maybe not taking subsidies? What is well, Rasko, I. Uh... Let's be quite direct. I think what the governments are restricting the companies to take the subsidy is reasonable. Uh, if you take a subsidy, you cannot pay the dividend. That that absolutely that makes sense. And you know, for for most of the banking cases and financing cases, when the bank gives you a very big amount of uh, of loans, they they have a negative covenant, and one of them typically is no payment of dividend. Um, or at least the limited payment of dividend. So to me, you know, that that makes sense. Uh, also, in most of the countries, actually, they tell you if they, if we give you a subsidy, especially for subsidizing the payroll cost, you have to keep those people on the payroll. If you're not keeping them, you have to repay that with the interest. And that also, to me, is, um, is quite, uh, quite a logical. Helicopter money in Serbia, in any country, is... I think helicopter money is quite connected with uh, when you have the next political elections. So when you, you know, when you do the dotting of which country has gone after the helicopter money and whether they have elections in 2020, you'll find that, oh, surprisingly, most of them do have 2020 elections, general elections. Um, with respect to state aid, I mean, state aid is quite a quite an interesting topic. We all know that, that, that the liberal, uh, liberal capitalistic model is very much about, you know, the, the asking the governments not to provide the direct state aid in order to make the globalization work and in order not to have such distortions in the market. 
well this black swan is changing that 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 uh, game this black swan means that during this year um you can give any kind of subsidy that you want to any company and uh, basically there won't be any questions asked uh, not only in our region but in much more developed countries now whether there are those countries like scandinavian countries whether they will uh, go down that route or not we will probably know uh, in 10 or 15 years i don't think that anybody will be going around um, um uh, basically uh saying you know openly saying what they are doing but uh, for the airline industries that this will be a massive that the only way how to save them is actually with the state aid and um, uh, james had a good comment um when we discussed about it he said you know adria airways unfortunately was just few months from the survival uh if they knew about this you know and they could have waited until Fe february now they would be laughing uh, similar is with Montenegrin Airlines, with Croatian Airlines, with Air Serbia. All of them will get a massive amount of money um, from the governments, all the, under different pretexts, but all of them will have it. And you can expect that, that at least that part of the business will be stabilized for the next few years, i.e. there will be significant cash there for somebody to uh, show off uh, running those businesses. It won't stop only at the airlines. I expect that uh, that other key industries uh, will be governmentally supported uh, throughout Europe. So everybody will have their own choices. I think in Serbia, where we can expect that state aid uh, support will be Telecom Serbia, will be uh, Electricity Company Serbia, maybe some of the larger manufacturing entities in Serbia, which manufacture over several thousand people. I wouldn't be surprised if Fiat gets the expansion um, and uh, other places like that. So, but basically, in respect of state aid, I think this year is El Dorado for all the companies who ever wanted to get the money from the government but never could. Uh, do, do you see, uh, James? Do you do you agree? And do you see maybe uh, some sort of a let's let's call it a moral gambit uh, because. Uh, essentially, what the, the bailouts are, are doing, they are preventing the companies uh, from going bankrupt. Uh, and, and bankruptcy is not necessarily death. It is a, a sort of a coma, if we need to use an analogy. And in this, uh, in this process, a company can get out uh, refreshed, uh, reinvigorated again. And it's, uh, it's, uh, essentially, its creditors would be uh, somehow settled in an order that is uh, uh, that is predictable to uh, to everyone. When you do a bailout uh, for a, for a company, regardless of the industry, you essentially first of all help it uh, pay those unsecured uh, loans and 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 unsecured uh, creditors. So, do do you see a moral gambit here? And are there benefits of uh, giving a state aid uh, or a bailout? bigger than the detriments of, uh, of doing that? Well, thanks, Roscoe. I mean, that, that's, that's a huge question. There's, there's so many points that one could make um, in this area. Um, I think sometimes in th these types of situations um, ring out the, what's sometimes deep, deep below. And, and the response to these issues is quite illuminating sometimes. So. Um, it, it's clear, for example, when we talk about the, the I, I talk about the UK, I, I know that situation quite well. 
there's been a, an awful lot of talk about the generosity and, and, the, and the responsiveness of uh, of, the, of the of the UK government to to try to to try to mitigate and not resolve, but just just to mitigate, stand still in in this in this environment. But I think what we're finding is that the practical reality, the 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 lack of infrastructure to actually deliver the good intention, is going to start to to really be an issue over the coming weeks. Um, there was an amazing statistic, I think, that three hundred thousand businesses have had applied for the for the short term business loans to tide them through. And only something like 1,000 have been considered and, and reviewed. The, the, the backlog is amazing. There just isn't the infrastructure to, to deliver this. Whereas in some other countries like uh, Switzerland, it, 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 it's happening. It happens, with, there's a, there's a, it happens within 24 hours. You submit the form and you get 50% of last year's revenue based upon answering six questions and you get the money within 24 hours. And if you lied on the form, you go to prison and everybody understands it and it, and it, and it works. Um, in this part of the world, um, I think we have we have other issues as well. I mean, I think that um, exactly this, this moral hazard question is is there. Um, there's 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 many um, crown jewel businesses, companies, whatever we might call them, out there that are that are that are either state owned or or certainly have a heavy interaction with the state. And um, you know, are they going to be preferred in this process maybe they will um are things which maybe should have happened you know this this this, this unfortunately this isn't this isn't a financial crisis or a business crisis it's a medical crisis which has then given rise to this business crisis so it's a bit unfair on, on businesses but then it may well be that there's businesses out there that that, that had their risk management plans and, and 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 had their disaster routines ready and some that didn't and everybody's going to be saved by this. And uh, it may not be that you get the most uh, economically sensible solution. And only time will tell whether the damage that this, that these type of, these, these type of decisions that might be made in the next few weeks and months is going to have. But Pergasco, if I may just add one thing, like we have a health crisis. What is our problem with this health crisis? It's about the curve, yeah? not to have too many ill people immediately for going into the hospital. Likewise, in the economy currently, we without the state aid, we would have the same curve. You would have a massive number of companies which would go bankrupt, massive number. Courts, infrastructure around it wouldn't be able uh, to, con to, to deal with it like these... Uh, uh, emergency units in the hospitals are not able to deal with so many, you know, from Corona. It, it would be the same. You have to have the government reacting now. Now, how many of it will be um, uh, true loans because somebody is suffering? And how much will be that plus the amount of losses which the company has presented in previous years and um, but it couldn't, but the owner couldn't cover them because of the state aid rules? Uh, that's a different story. I would expect that all the countries will have a certain crown jewels which they will want to protect, all of them, you know, whether they're a highly liberal coming from Scandinavia or um, a UK or Germany or Netherlands, doesn't make any difference. They will all have something to say. Um, uh, how, uh, in the Swiss, Swiss example, for example, is quite an interesting one that shows you that everything in the economy is about the trust. Uh, 
they trust that people have completed those six questionnaires. And uh, there is a trust in the system that if somebody didn't, we'll end up in prison. Now, how much do we trust our systems here? How much do we trust our institutions in this part? That's, a, that's probably a question. Um, and but that that basically governments have to intervene at this moment. It's, it's absolutely a must. No, I, I really, really like this analogy with flattening the curve through, uh, you know, to help the economy or the, the the restructuring game go through the system in a way that that the system can support. And uh, it's I think I would rightly conclude that even with all of the massive state aid that is going to be handed out uh, in this crisis, there will still be a lot of bankruptcies. There would still be a lot of uh, restructurings going forward. What are the opportunities that one can seize throughout this, uh, this period? So what kind of distressed uh, M&A, distressed uh, um, uh, opportunities would you see in the short to medium run? Will we or should we expect a similar wave of NPLs that we had following the 2008 crisis? Or is this uh, going to be a little bit different? That's a, good, that's a good question. It will all depend now on these schemes, uh, refinancing schemes that the governments are implementing. As I said, I expect that, uh, that basically those schemes, that, that banks will refinance most of their problematic portfolio with those schemes. Uh, of course, the banks at this moment do not know what is a part of the portfolio, which is a problematic, because likewise, we don't know how long this crisis will take place. We don't know how the, uh, the, how the management of each company will, you know, what, what will be their course of action in this. Uh, the companies which have their own cash reserve and their own equity Definitely, the banks know who they are, but those companies are not going to be, uh, they are at the, right at the start, they are most likely not indebted in order to be in any kind of a problem. So I think, yes, it will, this will, uh, uh, definitely any crisis does make NPL uh, rise. So uh, normal level of NPLs will go significantly up in a short period of time. I think now there is an institutional knowledge of how to deal with MPLs, something that most of our countries didn't know in 2008, 2009 crisis. Now the institutional system has changed. Central banks are allowing those MPLs. There is a transactions with the MPLs and everybody understands about debt, uh, debt buy-off. And there is no argument that this was done because somebody was stealing the money or embezzling. Um, the, this is a genuine crisis where nobody actually had the control over it. Um, and uh, with saying that, with refinancing of the portfolio through those new government schemes, actually all that NPL will end up with the governments, and that's why we will have a higher budget. You would expect higher budget implies only a higher, also higher taxes in the future. I'm not sure that higher taxes will be. Uh, but that definitely the governments will be fighting about uh, uh, with the budgetary deficit going forward. Yes, they will. Um, so, in, so to summarize, NPL, yeah, there will be an opportunities in which it's a specific sector. I'm not sure. You know, I, I wouldn't focus only on the, on the tourism 
uh, and uh, and the hotel businesses and those uh, likely uh, likely suspects currently. Uh, definitely those will have a problem, but they will rebound back in 2021, 2022. I do expect them to go back to the same level. Um, I think more likely we will have problems in the areas where there is currently high indebtedness and that nobody was, uh, nobody was, nobody had a sufficient amount of capital to as a buffer for this crisis. I agree. I agree with those comments. Um, I'm not an investor in at this at this point, um, but if I was, um, you know, I'd be looking at um, heavily leveraged companies in in those sectors. I think that there's going to be opportunities emerging in, in in those things transactions that have taken place in the past one to two years probably at multiples which are no longer justifiable you're going to see um you're going to see opportunities there and you're going to see things happen um how it plays out with the banks to me is still too early to say i think it's i think that's still a mystery it, it, I, I don't think it can be positive for them i you know how much of this will get into the um, consumer credit area where they have unsecured consumer credits? How much of how much of unemployment will re will there really be? Um, how much of this support will make its way through to the employees? We don't know. Um, there's many many questions here that could uh, that could uh, you know have an impact on the banks. I I, I agree with uh, with Boris's comments from earlier. I don't think it's about the equity of the banks. I think the the lessons were learned very well from the, the previous financial crisis and the banks all over the world, but especially in this part of the world, are very well cushioned with, with equity, with the issues, their liquidity and their ability to 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 weather that storm. So far, I don't think we've, we've seen or heard anything around uh, there being concerns about um, that in terms of that there doesn't seem to have been any form of hint that the that people have got nervous and have sought to um you know to remove their money from the banks and that's i think that's a credit to the to the policy makers that they seem to have been able to really get a lid on that and 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 because that that wouldn't that would not be helpful if that those, those type of um things were to occur uh, james just to, to just to add on that there were a number of the people asking me what do I think whether some of the banks are now in the safe position. I mean, my answer there is very simple. In this moment of this panic and crisis, no government in the world would let any of the banks uh, fall, failing. So basically, even if there would be a bank with a, with a problem, I'm quite sure that the central banks would immediately jump into because they wouldn't want people who are self-isolated in the homes also to worry about their savings. So from that perspective, I'm sure that nothing during this crisis, nothing will be happening. However, going out of the crisis is going to be a completely different set. The banking sector, not necessarily the previous crisis has taught us banking sector wasn't impacted during the first one year. It wasn't that obvious. Only a year after did we start seeing truly the collapses of the banks. Of course, if we take out uh, uh, Lazards from the, uh, the, the the Lehman Brothers from the equation. No, I, I agree, Boris. But I think you know we have. I mean, if we just look at the Serbian scenario, we have the three-month moratorium, which we're now halfway through that three months. 
I wonder, I really wonder whether that's really a three month moratorium. I suspect it's longer. Especially in an election year. <laughs> what I would be also keen to understand, are, are there any immediate actions, steps a CFO should be taking at this stage? Are, are there any kind of clear items on every responsible CFO's to-do list uh, in a moment like this? What would be your first week advice, first month advice, and then first quarter advice uh, in, in, in this situation? Well, Rasko, if I may, given my, my role in roaming, I can tell you if the CFO, if CFO needs an advice now, it's too late. It's, it's a month and a half too late for that CFO. So that CFO already should have been in a cash position. That CFO should have already seen his cost base. That CFO should have went dramatically in reduction of any kind of, of costs and getting into hibernation if his business is, of course, impacted with this crisis. Um, uh, there are businesses which are not impacted with this crisis. Uh, again, IT companies, many of them are not impacted. Many of them are, but I would say at least 50% of them are not impacted. 50% of them are not impacted with this crisis. Uh, so it, similar about certain professional service firms, even certain manufacturing business. I have a friend, he is uh, running the company for produce, production of the gas re regulators, completely not affected by this at all. So uh, CFO, true CFO, as soon as he's seen what, he, what is happening in Italy, should have reacted. Uh, if he didn't react now, to knock on the door of the bank and ask for the new loan next to impossible to get it. Uh, now to do a certain reduction in the headcount. Well, you could claim that's the case given the, the given that the governments throughout the region are now reissuing the, the instructions about who gets the uh, who gets the state aid and under which conditions. But I would expect that the CFO has reacted a month ago. If they didn't their problem is their companies is in dire situation or they are sitting on a large cash without any debt and they are smiling. I mean, again, I agree. I agree with those comments. I think um, if we if we put it, put aside the timeline here and assuming that this was emerging today, then um, the, the first thing you're going to have to do as a CFO is get an absolute clear grip on um, cash, cash position, to avoid any unnecessary leakages at this point, to really understand the, the obligations that you have and make sure that um, obviously you, you need to pay some people, but you need to make sure that you're paying the right people. And you really need to understand the cost base and you really need to understand your balance sheet and the maturity of the, of the positions in there. And you need to be on the phone to your your banker regularly and your professional advisors. Um, I mean, I, I would, uh, I mean, I, maybe I would say this, but I think um, it'd be very important to speak with your your lawyer and your accountant because both of these things are going to throw up significant um, significant questions. You know, there's a practicality about dealing with certain regulatory stuff which still needs to get done, but you need to make sure that you get the best position, the optimal position in that. And uh, who knows? I mean, you know, I, 
we've spoken quite nicely, I think, for the last half an hour. It's almost like we may have, may have lulled ourselves into thinking that there isn't such a big crisis in a way. But I think there's, there's huge things going on. And uh, certainly, in my opinion, we're going to see cases where, you know, the, the, there's some horrible things happening in, in, in contracts. And so, you, you know, you would need to understand where exposures might be on that, where your counterparty may not deliver what he's supposed to deliver, either because he can't or he just doesn't want to because he's conserving his position. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, those things I would add to the list in terms of those types of uh, conversations that I'd be taking that I'd be having if I was uh, such a CFO well thank you gentlemen this was uh, this was a great conversation thank you Rasko. thanks thanks